What's going on, good people? This is your boy Amir, aka the Magic Man, and you are listening to another dope episode of Paperbacks and Soundtracks. As always, guys, thank you for joining me uh, every Thursday as I talk about the things I love, man: comic books and music. You know, just you know, just a just a, a nerd geeking out every week. You know, uh, but anyway, uh, I told you guys a while back. Um, a season four, I was not going to take it easy, man. Um, I had to get past a few things, you know. Your boy was sick, had to get over that and uh, get back to the things that I enjoy doing. Um, so I, when I came back, it was all about, you know, uh, building this universe and giving you guys uh, great content every week and just building a dope legacy uh, with paperbacks and soundtracks, all right? So, you know, if you want to continue to support the show, all you got to do is just go check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon, Audible, whatever they're calling it right now. But yeah, go check those things out so we continue to build this universe of paperbacks and soundtracks, all right? So, I have a guest today. I have a guest. And I'm excited, man. This has been... Uh, it's been in the works for a while, man. Even way before I got I got sick, uh, we've been trying to link up, and we tried to do it before uh, a couple weeks ago, but you know technical difficulties uh, kind of got in the way. But hey, we are here. We're doing the thing, um, and I think he knows a little bit about you know legacy building and uh, wanting to create uh, great you know shows and content for people to enjoy and great stories for people to enjoy. Uh, I'm definitely going to go ahead and say I think his work ethic work ethic might match like Kevin Hart's work ethic, man. This dude is always busy. I don't know how he has time for everything that he does, but what he does, he does great work, man. He's won awards. He's been nominated for works on television shows like My Wife and Kids, Everybody Hates Chris, The Boondocks, Marvel's Runaways, uh, American Gods, and most recently, um, well, at least to my knowledge, most recently, uh, the Wu-Tang American Saga Story, which was a dope series on Hulu. But somehow, some way, by doing all of this stuff, he found a way to squeeze in some comic books, man. He's he's written some really dope stories. Uh, the first story that I know that he, uh, he worked on was a story from Marvel. Uh, it was like a tie-in to Secret Empire called A Brave New World. And um, he wrote a short story in there called uh, The Birth of a Patriot. And that was about uh, Ray Sean Lucas, which was a dope story. Then he transitioned into writing a Falcon comic book so- uh, series, which I thought was incredible. Um, he did Lando, Double or Nothing for Marvel. And then he transitioned into independent stuff, which well, one of the stories is Quincredible for Lion Forge and the one that a lot of people are talking about, uh, Philadelphia with Jason Sean Alexander, an amazing story. I can't wait to talk about a lot of this stuff, man. So please help me welcome, finally, two paperbacks and soundtracks, Mr. Rodney Barnes. How are you, sir? Doing okay. Glad glad we're finally talking. Yeah, man, it's been a long time coming, man. Thing, you know, things happen. Life, life gets a little crazy. So, how how you been doing during this 
you know, pandemic. Uh, you know, you're over in the West Coast, right? I am. I'm in L.A. Um, okay. I'm, do- I'm just working a lot, just uh, trying to keep myself busy. Yeah, yeah. So how's that going? Is it is it like harder or is it easier to get work done? Like, do you have to go to the studio or? No, know, we don't shoot until April. So everything's kind of been in my office. And um, okay. so just writing 24 um, seven. Yeah. The blessing and a curse at the same time. Right, right, right. Chilling in the same atmosphere all the time, right? Yes. <laughs> it gets a little it gets a little hectic a little bit. So yeah. I you know, I gotta ask, you know, before we jump into all the uh the stories and stuff that you you've uh, written and everything that you worked on, uh I've noticed that with Philadelphia, right? You kinda like document like some things that happen in history, right? Like you seem like you're a history buff. With the things that are going on right now with the with the COVID nineteen and the crazy politics that we got going on right now, have have you had any stories pop up into your head that you kind of want to either do in film or comic book i mean it's hard because in a crazy kind of way i remember a comedian saying that uh the president that's now in office it's kind of like a curse because he sort of writes his own material you know? <laughs> like it's hard to make yeah. fun thing that is so visceral and in your face um, the nature of the country being so polarized, once you take a side, you kind of alienate the other side mm-hmm. and you're not really, I won't say you're not telling a story anymore, but it becomes difficult to just lose yourself in genre Right. Uh, when you're so political that um, it's almost like you have to, you know, if you're liberal in, in today's world, that means you have to hate conservatives and mm-hmm. and you know, I, I, I think that does more harm than good. I wish that um, there was a middle ground. Right. And so in my work, I try to create a middle ground. You know, I, I try to look at truth and <clears throat> truth in an objective type of way. I don't try to judge either side. Right. You know, there you go. Smarter people can do that than me. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I had to just pick your brain on that because I know sometimes in a time like this, creatives, their, their brains are just nonstop, you know. So I just had to see if you had any thoughts on, you know, something like that. But um, before we jump into the comics, let's let's go back a little bit um, to the early days as far as like, you know, screenwriting and, and producing television shows and stuff like that. How did you get involved in in that world um I, I think you went to howard right you went to howard university i mean <clears throat> i did go to howard I, I would say that um a lot of people ask that question and i don't think some of them like the answer that i give mm-hmm. uh, well we keep it real here it's all good writing sort of um you don't go after it it kind of comes after you at least mm-hmm. in, um it was something that was always in my heart. I always loved movies and TV shows and comic books. It's like they were, I'm an only child. So it was sort of like a family member for me. Gotcha. Um, I spent a lot of time in movie theaters in front of the TV and reading comics. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's part of my heart. And so um, I always had a relationship with words. I always had a relationship with stories. I never had the, the confidence really to think that one day I would be in the industry and talking to folks like yourself. Um, I just didn't see that for myself. Mm-hmm. But 
I got to a point where you got to do something with your life. So why not try? Right. And I just started to peck away at it and peck away at it and doors opened. And I, I'm pretty good at suffering well and taking rejection. Mm-hmm. So no matter how hard it got, I hung in there and right. things sort of worked out over time. Right. So that kind of leads me into my next question, actually. Um, you know, the TV and film industry is jam packed with with creatives and people wanting to work, work behind the camera. Uh, how did you kind of like separate yourself to work on important shows to me, actually, like my wife and kids and everybody hates Chris, where like these are shows are kind of like showing like black and brown families. You know, we weren't getting a lot of those at the time. So. How did you separate yourself to work on those uh, important shows that were important to, to, the, to our culture? Well, at the time, I didn't know they were important. At the time, I was mm-hmm. trying to It was more of, um, you know, if a door, again, I knocked on a lot of doors and whichever ones opened, those were the ones, the doors I walked through. And I was fortunate that those doors opened for me. Um, mm-hmm. Who I didn't know at the time that, you know, they would last as long and have the cultural imprint that they've had. Yeah. I was just trying to get better. I mean, I think um, for me, especially in my early years, I didn't know what I was doing. And so the fear and insecurity that comes with that sort of blinds you to any awareness of your relevance at the time. I just was, um, you know, once I got in, my fear was that I was never gonna this would be it you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. television shows don't last forever even great ones right. uh, except Law and Order SVU that's the <laughs> to go on well, well anything with Dick Wolf right <laughs> yeah they, they go on but for the ones I was on you know the four or five years was you know the exception to the rule but I always knew that they were gonna end at some point mm-hmm also had my own dreams and goals and desires to do things other than just comedy um god bless comedy because it helped it helped create a professional writer because for a long time it you know i had a lot to learn right. still have a lot to learn but um having those opportunities helped mold and shape my um, my sword and helped me get better nice nice well you mentioned comedy so yeah. You worked with some uh, some like some legends in the in the comedy game, man. You worked with Damian Wayans and a bunch of his family members because they used to pop up on the show all the time. Uh, yeah. You worked with Chris Rock. You worked with Earthquake. You know, so how, who out of all those guys that you worked with, who would have you constantly cracking up on set, man? I mean, I, I love uh, Earthquake when he would hit the set, the this whatever episode he was on and hit him with the big man like that would literally have me in tears every time. So I know you had to be laughing like on set like every day, man. So who, who had you cracking up the most? It's the opposite of that. When you're writing, really? when you're writing and producing something, you're trying to make sure that the show comes out the way that you want it to come out. So. Mm-hmm. Even if it's the funniest thing in the world, I mean, it was, you would have some laughs here and there, but it was always the pressure of having to get the show done gotcha. and what period of time you had to get the show done. I think in the writer's room, uh, Damon was funny, you know, and, and I worked on a lot of Damon's movies as a PA. Um, okay. So Damon, I give him the edge just because of time. Um, 
I say Chris Rock in life because we're friends and we still talk to this day. Nice. Um, so all of them to lesser or greater degrees. It's like um, there's that moment when you're in it and you're really doing the thing. So you don't have time to really enjoy it as much as you'd like to. And then there's the moment when the thing is done and you can appreciate it and laugh then. But everybody that you mentioned is hilarious in their own way. Right, right. So like you said, you, you were always pretty much, you know, head to the pavement let's get this work done let's get it let's get the right stuff out so we can meet these dates and everything but when you go back and look at your timeline of the work that you've done um you know everybody or my wife and kids ended in 2005 everybody hates chris started in 2005 along with the boondocks so uh you know for the younger generation people that might be listening that you know would like to write for tv or produce for tv and stuff like that how in the world did you keep your head together to work on all these things at the same time? Like that is amazing to be working on those three. Those those shows were movements, you know, and to have them all in your head at the same time. How did you keep things like even organized? Um, kind of the same way that I do now with um, writing comics and movies and TV yeah. shows. More of um, the great thing about when you are writing on a tv show with a bunch of people you're going to a place with those folks so let's say you know if i was writing wife and kids from 10 to 3 10 to 4 i'm in that room so i'm in that world then i go over and i'm writing the boondocks then i'm in that world and then you know then i go over to chris it's like i was able to and still separate separate my attention from one thing to another it actually helps if you have anxiety because you got something to put mm -hmm. you uh my mind was always raced since i was a kid so being able to have some place um for lack of a better word positive to put my brain on has always been kind of like a virtue so right. being able to do a lot of things just always helped keep me occupied and i, I think it's part of my personality more than anything else okay fair enough fair enough so um you worked on the sitcoms, you know, with the with the family settings, and then you know Aaron Magruder comes to you with with the Boondocks, which is like real raw, uncut. Everybody's getting the jokes, no matter who you are. You know, it's all fun and games and everything like that. But that transition from the, that type of show, the sitcom family type of thing, to this raw show. Uh, when he came to you with the concept of this TV show, of this animated show, on top of that, when he came to you with the concept, uh, you know, what were your, you know, what were your thoughts uh, when he when he hit you up with this? Um, well, it's still a family show. I mean, it was well, great. yes, yeah. <laughs> so it was still a family show. It was just more of um, a satire, and the tone was different, but it's still story at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And we were putting all of that together. It was really more finding. Um, finding what the voice would be but they're all sort of the same in a way um whether they're loud and in your face like the boondocks or whether it's um a middle ground like chris or kind of uh homogenized because it's network tv in the way that wife and kids was it's still all sort of it's all story mm -hmm. so if you approach it from that point you don't really see the difference in it it's like you see it when you finally see the end product but when you're putting it all together, you're still coming from the same principles. So it's not really that much of a um, 
you know, a stretch to go from one to the other. Yeah. But so, but did you have more freedom with the boondocks that you did with the other shows? You had more freedom in regards to tone, like you could cuss and you could do this and you could do, you could get crazier is in regards to, um, you had less restraint, Yeah. but the foundation was still the same. You still have to come from, uh, it still has to be believable in order for it to be outrageous. Mm. Okay. You, know, you still have to believe there's a granddad and there's two kids. Right, right. Um, regardless of what they're doing or what the adventure is or how crazy it is, you're still coming from a foundation. So, wasn't that hard? Yeah. So, I mean, I would think that because you were saying like you were still growing and learning and everything, I would think that this definitely uh, took your growth to another level to be able to, you know, express yourself in a, a little bit different way than you did with the other shows, right? Um. Yes and no. I mean, being able to, to write um, and have a, uh, you know, anybody can sit down with a pen and paper and write a story. You know, it's absolutely free. The part that helps is when you have to produce something and you see the boundaries that come in, what can be done with a budget and what can be done, you know, within the realities that you have to work with. That helps to sharpen you as a writer and a producer to where you're learning now how to be a professional. And it comes after continuously doing it over and over and over and over again. That's the blessing in it. You know, all of those shows sort of contributed to that in equal parts because um, they forced you to develop um, dimensions to your game. It's sort of like gotcha. if you're a basketball player mm -hmm. and, you know, you got a good shot, good mid-range shot, but you're kind of like Ben Simmons where you need to develop a three-pointer. Right. And if being able to be in an environment where all they do is shoot three-pointers, that helps you develop. True, true, true. And, you know, being able to just be in different environments sort of helped me um, mold and shape a career. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Fair enough. That makes that makes perfect sense. Iron sharpens iron on, on different levels. Fair enough. So um, I know you're not a part of the the, the new series, no. right? No. But, okay, but do you think it's going to be a little bit uh, more, a little bit harder for them to get off the things that they were you guys were getting off with those first four seasons? Given like you know every everybody's super sensitive now, man. With with you know with the wordplay and stuff like that you know they take offense to every little thing it's even harder on comedians now like they got to be careful with what they say on stage or they're going to get canceled somehow so do you think it's going to be a little tougher you know for aaron to i, I have faith in i have faith that the show will still be good yeah. uh I, I, and I have hopes i mean i'm uh, I, i'm rooting for those guys to make the best show that they possibly can Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it also. So you had mentioned earlier that, you know, you were working on these shows and they weren't exactly like your creations and everything like that. Um, but I mean, they were much a part of you, like Boondocks, you were on Boondocks, what, nine years and everything like that. So um, they motivated you, I guess, to, you know, get out there and start doing a little bit more of your own thing that we would know uh, Ronnie Barnes for and all of a sudden here comes this opportunity to uh, start writing comic books um, and you said this was something that you 
enjoyed ever since you're a, a little kid like this was kind of like your family so as far as comic books go uh where did your uh where did your collection kind of start were you a marvel guy were you a dc guy or you know where, where did you kind of fall in in the line of uh comic book collecting when I was a kid, my mother used to go to the, she used to take me to the public library when she would do her lesson plans. And I knew where the comic books were. They were in a box under where they had like a cat in a hat, mm -hmm. kid stuff. And yeah. uh, I would sit there all day and I would just read. And, you know, I'm old enough to where, like Neil Adams was my favorite artist of okay. all time. And in DC, he would draw damn near every cover, I think, in some of the interiors of a lot of like Batman and Green. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Batman. A lot Batman. of that stuff. And that's where I started. And I found out that they weren't just at the library, that they were at like 7 Eleven and every convenience <laughs> store and liquor stores. They were yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And so um, I started reading basically everything. I think I gravitated as I got older. I gravitated to like Frank Miller's Daredevil and oh. Alan Moore and uh, the Swamp Thing is my favorite yeah. uh, series of all time and nice. Miracle Man and stuff like that. It was just more, it became more sophisticated as I grew, started to grow and read. Mm -hmm. When I say read, like there was this period where comic books were like, as my grandfather would say, funny books. And <laughs> my and grandma they, still says that. Yeah. <laughs> And then there became this period where you had Neil Gaiman doing Sandman and Moore doing Swamp Thing, and they were like literature. Right. And I began to read them like that. I don't think it was more of a DC Marvel guy. I think it was more of whatever caught my mind and my imagination was the thing that I was looking for. And fortunately, during that period, there was so much good stuff, you know, it was uh Claremont and Burns run on X-Men, mm. Perez and Wolfman doing Teen Titans, uh, right. Mike Grell's Legion of Superheroes. Um, nah. There was just so much stuff. And yeah. so I, it wasn't, it, it there was no um, line of demarcation. It was just more of anything I saw that grabbed my eye and grabbed my mind and I had money in my pocket, I was reading. Dope, dope. So, okay, so your first story with marvel right this was your first story the first comic you ever wrote, written was yeah the patriot one okay so how did you guys link was it something like they reached out to you or you reached out to them or you know like how did how did that even come about uh to get that short story in that in that book which was which was an awesome story by the way i really i wish they would use uh you know ray sean a little bit more but we'll talk about that later <laughs> I, I was working for uh marvel on runaways and uh, ah, okay. they liked my work on the show and uh, I kind of made it clear that because Marvel TV and Marvel Publishing are two different things mm -hmm. and I kind of made it clear to the folks at Marvel TV that I'd be interested in writing comics Right. and so they came to me with the Patriot story and they said that uh, if it worked that they might put him pair him with the Falcon and I might be able to do the Falcon book Oh. So I did that story, and then uh, they liked that story as well, and they gave me a shot to do Falcon. Nice. Okay, that's what I was wondering if this was, if that was kind of like a test run, or you know, just to, just to let the people know that hey, I, I'm doing this too. Let's see how they gravitate to us. Okay, so it was more like a, a a test run situation. So you know, we fast forward now. When I jumped into comics, 
Um, and I've only been collecting comics five years. So I'm kind of like when you were talking earlier about like just, you know, trying things and seeing if they work and you kind of needed to do something. Like I work at a hospital, but I wanted to just, you know, try something else. So that's where I jumped into the to the podcast game. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll be honest with you. You know, like this is something I've been doing for two years. And every episode, I feel like I learn something new. I grow a little more. And every comic book I learn, I read, I feel like I'm falling deeper into the rabbit hole. Like I just, I really enjoy comics. It's a great escape for me. Yes. So, so Captain America: The Sam Wilson Story by Nick Spencer was one of the the first stories that I had put in my collection along with a few others. And I really enjoyed that story. So I was very interested after, you know, the Secret Empire epic crossover, like where they were gonna go with Sam Wilson. Were they gonna keep him, you know, as Captain America or, you know, or was he gonna go back to Falcon or was he, you know, were we just not gonna see him anymore? Uh, and along comes this, this Falcon story written by you know yourself and i'm like wait a minute i've seen this name before <laughs> and i and i enjoyed that story that he did in uh, brave new world it was a really dope story let me give it a shot man and man let me tell you that was definitely one of the dopest stories i had read at marvel uh at the time um and i'll be honest with you lately I'm a little, I don't pick up that much from Marvel. I pick up a lot from like the independent side, but at that time, dope story. So the first thing I gotta do is say thank you for how you ended that story, okay? Mm -hmm. The last page, I think it was, yeah, issue eight, the last two pages, you have a moment between Misty and Sam where they basically tell each other they love each other and they gonna ride this thing out that that really put a smile on my face because we don't get to see a lot of black and brown relationships you know in in comics much at you know especially in the big two so mm-hmm. why was that important for you to end your story in your run with that part you know with that being the the last thing that most of us kind of remember it for well exactly what you said i mean i think the thing for me was um i appreciated the opportunity to work on the book and I wanted to do something with Sam and Misty that I didn't see when I was reading books. I mean, when I grew up, Falcon was sort of Captain America's sidekick and he really didn't have an opinion a whole lot. He just kind of swooped in and helped Cap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, later it became more sophisticated with like Winter Soldier and some of the great books and great stories that came along then. But for me, it was more of a thing of Nick did such a great job in a lot of different areas with him that I wanted to try to do something different. Some things didn't work, and I believe some things did. Yeah. But it was more of um, wanting to end it with a thank you to for the opportunity, more so than anything else. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, it was two two really dope story arcs, all right? And I really enjoyed the vampire and vampires in Brooklyn story arc. Like, that was dope. I like how you brought Blade into it. You brought Deacon Frost into it. They was going crazy in Brooklyn. You know, it was just vampires everywhere. But I gotta know. I gotta know. Was this run was it had? Did you have more story to tell after oh, the yeah. Vampire in Brooklyn? Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, it was supposed to go ten issues. It went eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was what it was. But. Um, 
Yeah, I had a lot more story. I mean, I wanted to. I think the problem in some areas was the Falcon, as we've come to know him, is a soldier. And what I was trying to do was sort of what I'm doing with Philadelphia right now. I don't mm-hmm. think I was conscious of it at the time, mm-hmm. but I've always loved horror comics. I think that's what I kind of evolved into as a reader, and that's what I wanted to do. And I don't know if Sam was the right guy necessarily to try that with, but you know, I was new. So I didn't yeah. necessarily have the wherewithal to say, hey, maybe you should wait on this and have him fighting Bucky or, you know, doing right, something. Right, right. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot more. I had a man thing thing I wanted to do and oh, uh, wow. range. And I had a bunch of things I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll still get that opportunity. Who knows? Yeah, I was going to ask if given the opportunity, would you would you want to jump back out or jump, you know, back with a Falcon story? Or are there any other, you know, characters that you want to try and take on in the Marvel uh, comic world? I'm actually doing a Marvel story right now. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, I can tell you, I'll be picking it up. <laughs> I'll be picking it up. And so will the listeners. Make sure y'all get that, whatever it is. I'm Thank looking you. forward to it. Hopefully there'll be an announcement soon. Nice, Hopefully. nice. What up, what up? This your boy Amir, a.k.a. The Magic Man. And we are going to take a pause for the cause, man. You're listening to Paperbacks and Soundtracks, episode 55, baby. Listen, man, we got Rodney Barnes on here kicking knowledge, telling the stories about everything that he's been going through and doing in the entertainment business as far as movies, TV shows, and comic books. Man, it's so dope. I was super excited to have him on. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. And remember, click that subscribe button on whatever platform you were listening to this on, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Amazon. Man, make sure you hit that subscribe button and check it out, man. We got some big, big big news coming uh in the next few weeks on the show for you guys man i'm excited you better get excited and hey man have a good new year all right 2021 man no expectations let's just grind get to our goals and do what we're supposed to do this year stay safe talk to y'all later peace so you know at well now that kind of answers my next question but anyway um so when that kind of like came to an end with Falcon and everything, um, in your mind, were you kind of thinking like that was it with with comics? Like that no. was my shot, or did you already have some things in no. your back pocket ready to rock and roll? I think the thing for me was, you know, I didn't know how comic jobs came about. Like mm-hmm. I didn't. Every job I've gotten, other than the first job, you know, was someone emailing me saying, "Hey, you want to do this." And my thing was always, how'd you get my email address? But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I love comics. And until, you know, I started to do my own with Image, yeah. uh, you know, I always wanted to do more. I knew I wanted to get better. And the only way you can really get better at something is to continuously do it again and again. Right. And um, so, yeah, I always, I want until the day I leave this earth, I'd love to be involved in comics in one way or another. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. So 2019 was kind of like a big year for you as far as, you know, the independent side of things, mm-hmm. the comic books. You had Quinn Credible, uh, which I have to apologize. I have never read, but I've heard it's actually a dope story. 
uh, and when I get an opportunity, I will be picking it up. Uh, but but Philadelphia was one that I was I was flipping through this you know those thick preview books at the comic book shop, and I'm going through it and I'm like it stops on you know I always check out image stuff, and I see this you know this little picture for Philadelphia, and I'll tell you right now to this day I still have the picture I took of the book to make sure I remembered to pick that story up. So you know you put out this you know this first issue. Um, and it was cool, man. And I'm like, wow, all right, this is interesting. We got a little American history going on in here. And, you know, this father and son thing going on. This might be a pretty deep story. I think I'm going to continue to check it out. And, you know, here we are, <laughs> issue 11. And it's one of my first reads every time I pick it up. Like, no lie. And I love what you said when you said that the story is kind of like, Hamilton meets Dracula meets Sanford and Son. Like it, that is a perfect way to put this story. But the first thing I want to ask about this story is: Are you a history buff? Like, is history your thing? Um, yes, ish. Um, I wouldn't say you know. There's certainly a lot of people who know more about history. I think it's a very specific kind of history that draws my attention. You know, I think when you talk about the culture, African American culture. Um, oftentimes our history is sort of um, segregated. It's like mm -hmm. we're aside for February and um, right. we haven't been integrated into the idea of history as a whole. So that's sort of where Philadelphia started for me as a series. It was like, how can I take, you know, American history and put us on equal footing and sort of show the trauma of the early aspect of American history on the culture and how that sort of influences how we live to this day and do it in such a way that is so subtle that you still get the genre push of what vampires and horror is. Right. I didn't want to make it so loud that it feels like you're preaching to the choir, you're creating medicine. Right. But, um, how to, to mix all of these things in together and make it a satisfying experience every month for the reader. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, if you were my history teacher in high school, I probably would have got all A's. <laughs> <laughs> you, make it, you make it so, you know, very fun and you, you definitely pull us all into this story uh, along with the artwork with uh, Jason, um, Sean Alexander, like, man, that the artwork is I never I, it was it was amazing in the beginning, but I didn't think that he could take it to another level. <laughs> I didn't think there was more that could go into this. Like it was already really, really good. But now, wow. Like and I've I've seen his artwork before in a story called Frostbite that he did um with uh Joshua Williamson. It was a vertigo story, and that artwork was amazing. So I was already familiar, but whew. Man, so how long were you, uh, you know, working on Philadelphia before you got it to, you know, the image? And how did you get Jason, you know, on board to do this story? Because you guys are a great team. You're a great team. Uh, thank you. We, uh, I interviewed Jason. Uh, a publisher asked me to interview Jason for an art book uh, about four or five years ago. And Jason only lives like a mile away from me. So oh, wow. We would go to dinner like on a regular basis for some reason. 
And I would pitch him ideas, and he would pitch me ideas, and he hated my ideas, and I hated his ideas. <laughs> and one night when uh, he had been drinking, he sa- I said uh, I pitched him Philadelphia, and he said, "Wow, that sounds kind of interesting." And have you put it on paper? And I said, "No, it's, I've been playing with it in my head for a while, but I think I got a really strong take on what it is." And so he went home, and I thought that was it. It was just the conversation we had at dinner. And uh, lo and behold, the next day he called me and he said, "You should really put that down." And I think we went to a couple of places, but because he had been doing Spawn, he had a relationship at Image. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, we took it to Image, and they said yes, and the rest is history. Wow! No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so I'll be honest, man. When this story came out, when Philadelphia came out, and I was about four or five issues in, like I, I had never met you, I never knew you, but I did reach out and ask if we could do, you know, have this conversation back after like the fir- the fifth story or something like that. I said, but when I was when I was getting to that point, and I'm reading this story, like I was becoming very proud, you know, like I was getting very proud because I was really enjoying the Falcon story. And like you mentioned earlier, like the first story arc was kind of like a continuation of that vampires in Brooklyn, just more graphic and a little more freedom to do your thing and, you know, new characters in in a whole new city. But, you know, I would just be looking at this story like, man, Marvel, look, look what y'all did. Y'all created this. (laughs) I was like, yo, you guys gave him a chance. You know, and it didn't work out for that for whatever reasons. But wow, like this is what we got from, you know, you guys letting him letting Mr. Barnes go and do his own thing, man. So I will say you don't have to say it, but I can tell you my chest was out like, yeah, what's up? Like, this is what we're doing, man. This is what we're doing. But volume one, I'll be honest with you. That was when I was in the hospital. I did get to read uh, issues. I want to say four and five, maybe. I think it was four and five. I was in the hospital. My dad somehow snuck it into the hospital for me. <laughs> but I was excited. I was excited to read it. And, I, you know, it was awesome. But what people kind of forget now that we're on, you know, issue 11's out, 12's coming soon. What people kind of forget is that literally right after or maybe before issue five came out, the pandemic really hit. Yes. You know, and that can be uh, like a big problem for uh, a story just starting out because, you know, the comic book uh, books were not getting shipped. Comic book stores were starting to close down. You know, we didn't know what it was, what was going to happen. So when this when when the when the pandemic hit and it was like right at the end of your guys story arc, what was going on in you and Jason's head? Like, did, did image have a plan or? You know, was it kind of like play it by ear at that point? Um, I think it was more play it by ear, but in a way, it was almost within the curse of blessing. Um, I think a lot of people who had bypassed the book because it was vampires and they had dismissed it for whatever reason had an opportunity to catch up. Mm, yeah, new books for a hot second, and I noticed that more reviews in that lull came through for the book. And more people started to sort of check it out and give me their feelings on it. Right. And, um, so there was a duality to it. I mean, 
I'll never say it was a good thing because a lot of businesses went out of the comic businesses went out of business to store and a lot of people are hurting now. So I will never say that it was a good thing. But in regards to people checking out the book, I think people who may have bought it, never read it, or people who may have gone on Comixology or whatever, had an opportunity to flip back through it because new stuff wasn't coming. Right. Right. Yeah, man. that I was kind of like I was, I was a little sad, you know. Obviously, I couldn't really get to the comic book shops anyway. But yeah. I was like, oh man, this is this is like an important like that first story arc is a very important time for a story, especially like with like independent stuff. Because I've seen stuff at Image where it was a great story, and I haven't seen it since. Like you know, a lot of stuff has gone by the wayside because of this pandemic. So I, I was super excited to see that you guys were. Uh, coming back for volume two um so you know with I, i've spoken about a couple issues on the show and on the instagram page but you know without spoiling too much like what what have we been getting so far uh in the story and i'm guessing 12 issue 12 might be the end of story arc or the end of uh volume two yeah uh, okay yeah it'll be the end of volume two and um hopefully three will be early spring of uh next year yeah so, uh, where where are you planning on taking us with this big final issue in Volume Two? There's a couple big surprises coming that people won't see coming. Yeah. Uh, certainly, so a couple they may see coming, but I think the idea is, you know, coming from the world of TV, I'm reticent to stay in one lane or be predictable for too long. I'm always looking for. I like the idea that people tell me that. They never know from month to month where Philadelphia is going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's going to be vampires. You know it's going to be some bloody gore stuff. You know we're in Philadelphia. Other than that, you don't know who the star of the issue is going to be. Right. You don't know what the theme of the issue is going to be. I'm big on theme, love, hate, anger, fear, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I always try to keep it fresh, keep it to a place where um, you're interested. Um and hopefully entertained well you've been doing that for sure you've been doing that and what i actually what i enjoy so far about uh volume two so far is like this these deep dives that you're doing with some of the characters mm-hmm. uh I, I really enjoyed um jupiter and and toppy um they're they're like you know their character development that you've been doing with them with their with those issues that you did it did it in but uh, the most recent one i don't want to give too much away about issue 11 because it's still fresh but uh that little story you did with abigail like that's a prime example of not seeing something coming like i did not see that as a love interest that was wild and i was like okay this this is incredible (laughs) this is incredible uh and yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see any of that coming with Abigail. I'll be honest with you. So, yeah, this is a good one. I'm excited for uh, the 12th issue for sure. Um, and also, I like that you guys are um, keeping the like the two covers, like the cover A and cover B. Yep. Um, I think that's really dope. Like, I try to get both covers um, most of the time. I'm definitely getting uh, both covers for issue 12. It's three. Co- uh, Oh, oh, you got three? Who's the third one? Uh, uh, Sienkiewicz. Uh, Bill Sienkiewicz is one. Todd oh. McFarlane. 
another one, and then the Jason Sean. Yeah, album. yeah. Okay, I didn't know there was a third one. Okay, well, I'm, I'm definitely the Todd McFarlane one was definitely going to be one that I that I take home. I'm I'm glad that uh, he's jumping on board because that would be dope if you guys could get some figures. I'm not going to lie. We will see. We will if see. If you guys could get some Philadelphia figures, I would be all over it. I would be all over it. That would be um, great. So there's something that you're doing the last four issues. I want to mm-hmm. say with this this uh story in the back of the book, the last couple of pages. Yeah. Okay. I like I'm a werewolf guy. Yes. I'm a werewolf guy. I enjoyed Underworld. I thought that that was a dope vampire werewolf story. Shout out um, to Vivo. Yes. Yes. Are are you going there? Are we go can you even say it? But are you going there and or is this going to kind of like transition us into the werewolf world like are you coming to an end with the vampires and going to werewolves or what's uh, going on there man i mean you got you had some you had a special guest in that last issue in mm-hmm. issue 11. <laughs> mm-hmm. um let's just say there's more story to tell in regards to the werewolf oh boy well you guys heard it <laughs> you guys heard it we got some more coming with that i'm excited i've always i don't know what it is about werewolves i always that that full moon and yeah. I just always always like that man I always like that yeah. so you know it's been so much going on with Kill It Up you just with the pages you know but you know people have been supporting it people are buying multiple copies of it they're talking about it people are enjoying it people that are not even big comic book fans like I've had people reach out to me and be like what is that story you're talking about you right. know and they don't even go to the comic book store but they have shown up to go get this story it is it is it's really dope but are there still talks for the tv series or a movie yeah uh i just wrote a draft of the pilot and i'm addressing notes awesome so um do we do you have an idea on when uh we could be getting that or or what network it's going to be on no i mean uh uh, no would be the answer i mean they're they're there are answers I can't give. There's mm-hmm. a lot to it, but um, uh, I hope a premium cabler, and uh, I need my blood and guts. But yeah. uh, and it's you know, there's nudity, there's violence, there's a lot of stuff that's there that yeah, I think that goes outside of the boundaries that network television allows you to have. Right. But um, hopefully, again, by end spring, we by the end of spring, we should know something more. Fair enough. Hey, HBO Max, get on it. All right, get on it. <laughs> um, so, you know, before we jump over to this, this uh, the next topic, uh, you already mentioned that you got something that might be coming for Marvel soon. Uh, are, are there any other uh, comics that you're working on other than Philadelphia? Yeah, the Marvel thing. I have. I'm looking at my board. I've got four books for Image that are coming. Oh snap! I've got uh, Quincredible Arc Story Arc Three will be coming soon. Um, and I started my own publishing imprint that's going to be oh, a wow history. Um, that's the foundation of it. So we got a bunch of books coming towards the fall of 2021. So it's a lot of stuff happening at the same time. Nice, nice. Yeah, so you staying busy, man. You and Kevin Hart. Y'all do, do not play around. I'm doing my best. Kevin's yeah. a great example of how to stay busy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so, you know, you got the comic book stuff going on. But there was a show 
that I had to watch from start to finish. And I've literally watched this series twice. It was that good. And I'm talking about Wu-Tang, the American Saga. Wow, man, that is an awesome show. Stuff that I had no idea this crew had to go through in order to get to where they are, man. Just you guys just did an incredible job with that first season. Thank you. Um, so how did you get involved with it? Uh, what what is the role that you play with? You know, in you know, in the background of the show, uh, and were you a fan before all this? Yeah, I'm a fan of. Uh, well, I'm a fan of music in general, but I was a fan of uh, uh, Wu as well. Um, how it started was I was in the parking lot of the stages in Toronto working on American Gods when I got a phone call from RZA, and. RZA called and asked me if I wanted to be on the show because they needed another executive producer slash writer. And um, I said, yes. Yeah. And I think a month later, I was in Staten Island working yeah. on it. Yeah, I know you wrote, uh, what was it, episode four? Yeah. Four? Okay, yeah. All yeah. we got you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a dope episode. Oh. Yeah. So are you, are you still with them for season two? Because I, I think they announced that season two was coming. Yeah, no. Uh, still cool because I talked to Riz the other day, but I am working on a Lakers scripted show for HBO right now. Oh, okay. All right. I, hey, I'm a basketball and a football fan, so I'm, I'm with that. There I'm with that. So, you know, oh, here's a... All right, I got some fun questions. We're, okay. at, the fun, we're at the fun question time, all right? So, number one, you worked on... Uh, the Wu-Tang American Saga. Have you talked to Method Man about playing James Sangster Sr.? No. <laughs> Darn. He, I think he would be good in this show somehow with either being Toppy or, or James Sangster Sr. I think he would be a dope person to add into that show. It's possible. Because he's a comic book head. Yes. I think, I think he would have a good time on you on this series, man. So <laughs> see dope um all right another fun question i asked you this before in your dms but is blake scott is that drake oh that would be if i said yes i could get sued <laughs> okay could, we don't want that we don't want that yes i could never say that if i, okay. would, I did not say um <laughs> let's say it's a rapper that really 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 likes drake Fair enough. We could dig that. We could dig yeah. that. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, you read pretty much everything when you were younger, DC, Marvel. Um, what would be one of the characters you would want to work on? Uh, I would love Swamp. to write on Swamp Thing. Okay. Okay. He does monthly right now, I don't believe, but I would love to do a mini or something of significance. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that happening. You kind of have like that, that dark thing going down right now. I could, I could see you rocking that pretty good. Honestly, I would like to see you do a cyborg story, to be yeah, honest with you. Cool too. That'd be cool too. Anything right now, tragic figure uh, probably would appeal to me. I think happy characters, I, I could write a book or two, but it probably wouldn't resonate. There are other people that do that better. Yeah. Yeah. Cyborg ain't getting much love, man. I think you would give him a really nice story. Uh, but I could see Swamp Thing too. I could see Swamp Thing yeah. as well. Uh, Prince or Michael Jackson? That's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say Michael for today 
only because I'm going to add in Jackson 5 and I had a bunch of Jackson 5 albums as a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, I knew I had a relationship with Michael before Prince, so I'm going to yeah. stick with my loyalty of my relationship. Fair enough. Fair enough. We, we, we have just become best friends. Yeah, you <laughs> We've just become best friends. That was like some my, the Jackson 5 stuff. For me growing up, that was like the first songs I actually learned like from start to finish. Well, I could have. Um, they had the record on the back of a cereal box. See, Prince oh, never, yeah, you go. Prince back. never had that, so they. Yeah, go. and I didn't really learn about Prince until I was probably like, I like his catalog. So I was probably like twenty, twenty-one. By okay. then, Mike had taken over <laughs> everything for me. Uh, so, uh, so what's harder for you doing the doing the screenwriting for TV shows or putting together uh, a, a comic book? It's all the same. I mean, it's all story. The same thing I said earlier mm-hmm. about. Oh, really the same thing um they're all different modes of expression because you know some some of the stuff that i write is darker and moodier like you said with philadelphia and some of the other things are lighter but it's all still story at the same so it's a this, the process is the same of sitting in a chair and pen to paper and putting it all together and editing it until it feels like it's right right Fair enough. Did you see the uh, the the Disney investors meeting? Did I did hear? not. I'm aware of it because I have yeah. a couple that work at Disney, but um, I'm aware of it. You know that they are doing a Lando series. Yes, that's what I hear. Are you a part of it in any way? No one has reached out to me as of this conversation. Oh, what are you guys doing? You got to talk to your Disney people. Come they, on, man. Get to this man. They haven't talked to me about Lando. They haven't talked. Blade was my first job in Hollywood. So, oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So you worked on the, fir- the first Blade movie? Yes. I worked on the first Blade dope, movie. Oh, dope. Oh, man. So, so this is a good, this is a big moment for you, too, then to see Blade come back around. You yes. Know, with uh, Marshall and Ali and everything. That should be fun to see. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully they uh they they treat Sam Wilson right with the the, the Falcon Winter Soldier uh, story. A guy Malcolm Spellman is doing that. I have a lot of respect for Malcolm, so I'm, yeah. I'm rooting for him too. I'm excited for that man. That preview looked amazing. It looked cool. amazing. So last question for you: You're a horror film guy. What is a movie that myself and the listeners need to watch from start to finish, but if we have never seen it before? What is the movie you're saying? Go watch that horror movie right now. The Serpent in the Rainbow. Serpent in the Rainbow. Never heard of it. Looks See? like I got something to watch tonight. There you go. Wes Craven. Early okay. West. Craven. Well, later, mid Wes Craven. I wouldn't say early, but yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mr. Barnes, thank you. You're very welcome. Thank, thank you so much. That we had an opportunity to. Yeah. Man, it's been it's been a long time. I've been trying to get you here. Uh, to do this man and I can't wait till issue 12 comes out make sure you guys go check that out uh, if you haven't read Philadelphia, honestly I don't know what you're doing because it's a great story you're probably not going to find the individual copies right now so you're going to have to go get your trade it's all good go binge the story and then catch up to us on issue 12 uh, and I, you know, I'm going to continue to talk about the story here on, on my platform, man. So I appreciate the work that you and, uh, Jason, Sean Alexander are doing on Philadelphia. And I can't wait to see what you guys got in store for us next. 
Um, so just let the people know where they can find you on social media and, uh, you know, we'll get on out of here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Rodney Barnes and you can find me at Instagram at the Rodney Barnes as well. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, man. It's been a good, good conversation. Um, remember to stay safe, wear your mask, don't do anything foolish. And remember, you don't need superpowers to be a superhero. Peace.